Welcome to the Daily Boogie. edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. Uh, if you want to keep up with the show, please follow on Twitter, at Boogie Bumper. If you want to become a supporter and help us grow, please hit the subscribe button on your podcast player or head over to patreon.com forward slash Boogie Bumper. Thanks for joining us. Another big week ahead. A big weekend just happened. The nomination and the confirmation of Justice Brett Kavanaugh in the United States, obviously. But I want to touch on a couple of aspects and potentially what might be the worst, like now that we're looking back, now that he's in, now he's confirmed, now he's there, we can now look back at what exactly took place and what might be arguably the worst democratic strategy <laughs> of all time, certainly in recent history, but, you know, for a number of reasons. But let me, let me start off by reading uh, a few paragraphs from a National Review article that came out late in September. The National Review, you'll remember, they printed a whole edition about why it's important to oppose Donald Trump. This was the publication of the Never Trumpers. This is by Rich Lowry, and the headline is Why the Kavanaugh Smears Validate Trumpian Politics. The attempted political assassination of Brett Kavanaugh is bad for the country, but good for a Trumpian attitude towards American politics. The last-minute ambush validates key assumptions of Donald Trump's supporters that fueled his rise and buttress him in office. No matter how rocky the ride has been or will become, at least three premises have been underlined by the tawdry events of the last couple of weeks. First, that character, uh, good character is no defence. If you are John McCain, who genuinely tried to do the right thing and carefully cultivated a relationship with the media over decades, they will still call you a racist when you run against Barack Obama. And the article goes on. Second, that the media is an unremitting political and cultural adversary. In the Kavanaugh controversy, the press who has been wholly, the press has been wholly on the other side, presuming his guilt and valorizing his accusers and their supporters including Hawaii Senator Maisie Hirono, who may be the lowest IQ person on Capitol Hill. Sorry, Maxine. Sorry. Sorry. We've got to be honest here, though. I know she appreciates that trophy. Whose most famous contribution to the debate was telling men to, quote, shut up. The advocacy isn't limited to cable networks or the Twitter feeds of journalists. It reaches all the way up the food chain. And there are quotes here from The New Yorker, The New York Times. And thirdly, that politics isn't just rough and tumble, it's red in tooth and claw. Process and norms are nice, but they go out the window as soon as something important is at stake, like a political fifth vote on the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade. So, if we're talking about the strategy here of the Democrats, and and why do you have strategy? It's because you want to achieve certain political outcomes. Now, regardless of what the outcomes 
the attempted outcomes for the Democrats were when they started this crusade against uh, Brett Kavanaugh, the outcome is they have managed to do what Donald Trump himself couldn't even manage to do, and that is bring the never-Trumpers on side with the Trump mode of politics, the Trump method. The never-Trumpers have said, oh, he's destroying norms. He goes too far. He says the wrong things. He doesn't do it properly. This is not the guy we want representing the GOP. We have to take the high moral ground. We have to take the principled stance. Well, guess what? All of the things that the, you know, a bulk of the Trump supporters have been saying publicly, and Donald Trump himself for the last two years, it's now exposed, and the, and the never-Trumpers, are, they can see it. It's, it's clear. It's obvious. No matter what they do, no matter how they go about it, one side is going to hit below the belt. And if you don't fight dirty back to an extent, you, you, you're going to get beaten. You're going to lose. You know, the left for a long time have been exceptionally good at wedging the vote on the right. Divide and conquer style. But on this occasion, the way that they have gone about this particular nomination to the Supreme Court, they have done the exact opposite. What that means in the midterms, we'll find out, but maybe we can get an idea. Another article here from CNN. A record 800,000 people registered to vote in a single day. Now, the thing to consider here is, well, there's a few things to consider. Now, first of all, you might be thinking, well, 800,000 isn't a lot in a country of over 300 million. But the problem is, that's, tr- that's true in a shallow sense, but obviously 300 million people don't vote. So you can probably cut that number in at, l- at least in half, right? The other thing to consider is, although 800,000 people might not seem like a lot, it's all dependent on where those people are. The second longest serving Australian Prime Minister, a guy named John Howard, once said famously that politics is a lot less about ideology and more about mathematics. I'll just read a bit from the article. 2018's National Voter Registration Day uh, broke its previous record of 771,000 plus change new registered voters last week as more than 800,000 people registered in preparation for the midterms. Now, the article doesn't specifically state which uh, party these people registered for. Although, if you take a very quick look into it, I'm pretty sure you can, with some, with some level of genuinely good assumption, come to a, yeah, a reasonable conclusion. Midterm energy was absolutely critical. This is a quote from the article. You can see the poll data. A lot more people are paying attention to these midterms than you normally would have in a midterm cycle. The organisation partnered with 4,000 groups like Facebook, there's your first warning sign, Google, Twitter and Reddit to spread the word to register. National Voter Registration Day held or organised events across the country from urban neighbourhoods to rural communities. Rock the Vote spokesman Andrew Feldman called the success of National Voter Registration Day absolutely critical, quote, for our democracy. The organisation was one of the partners that focused on young voters. And here's a quote from Mr Feldman. It means that folks are engaging in our democracy and they get to have a real say. 
we have seen so much engagement and activism ding, 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 in the last couple of years that it is fantastic. But to really have a say in our democracy, you have to get out and vote. Now, you still might be thinking, well, Boogie, they haven't mentioned any particular side here. This is a bipartisan thing. It could be split 50-50. If you go to Rock the Votes website and check out on their homepage, quote, our generation is getting screwed by a broken system and leadership that don't represent our values. We can choose to sit on the sidelines or we can join together and fight for a future that works for us. A fair economy with good paying jobs, racial justice and full equality for all, an end to climate change and a reformed criminal justice system. We choose to fight. We choose to vote. Join us. So (laughs) if that kind of language doesn't set you in the right direction, I, I think it's fair to say that This was a Democrat-focused push, a Democrat-focused drive. The fact that CNN doesn't mention that and rather just uses the nice-sounding quotes, which have, you know, it's all about democracy, we've got to get out and vote, make your voices heard, that, that points to it as well. So I think it's fair to say that a lot of these new sign-ups are Democrats, but that doesn't mean it's all over. Now, you might say that 800,000 isn't a lot. Well, what if your guy only won by 500 votes last time out? All you need is 600 votes this time and you're going to flip the seat. So 800,000, what if we're talking about 800 seats with 1,000 vote margins? Like there aren't, there aren't 800 seats, right? Obviously. But you, you can see how small these things are. How, what, what kind of a small number it takes to flip. So if you have a seat that won by 5,000 and you can get 6,000 new people registered in there, then you can flip the seat. So it's very delicate, but it, it all depends on where these people are. Now, here's something to consider. If these votes are, if these new voters are, the majority of which are in LA or New York or very, very blue states, or very blue districts, then it's not going to have much effect at all. And one has to think, are the Democrats going to have more success registering people to vote for the Democrat cause in the current climate, with the current tactics from the Democrat Party leadership to accuse people being nominated for the Supreme Court of being gang rapists who drug women, and all of the fallout, negative fallout from that, are they going to have a better time, a more easier time registering people in the deep, deep blue states that are firmly in the grip of the Democrat Party or in places like West Virginia or North Dakota? How successful do you think that drive is going to be in very red states that Donald Trump, Donald Trump won by some margin in 2016? So it's all going to be about where these votes fall. Let's move on. Article here from Salon. Touched on a little bit last night on Trust and Verify, a a show I do with James R. every Sunday night. James, one of the co-hosts from Your Voice America. If you do follow that show, thank you. If you want to follow that show, go onto Twitter at TAVshow.com. Well, TAVshow.com is the website. Follow on Twitter at TAVshow. 
we touched on this article. Did Democrats do enough to stop Kavanaugh? Not even close. And don't expect more from a blue wave. Quote, what's different now is the danger of Trumpism and the hollowness of the Democrats have been more fully exposed. While we can hope that the latter will grow spines in the upcoming congressional outcomes, it'll take a lot more to stop the creeping coup d'etat against the Republic by Trump and his backers than it would have taken in 2016. The article goes on to argue that the Democrats might have been too nice. They don't play hard enough. And after, after reading that and after considering that argument for a while, I thought, well, where else can you go from here? Donald Trump is already Hitler. Brett Kavanaugh is already a gang rapist who drugs women. What's worse? <laughs> I, I, think you've, I think you've gone about as far as you can go in terms of negatively painting the opposition with a particular caricature. Like, who, who's, who's worse than Hitler? Like, if there is somebody worse than Hitler, if, if, if running around calling Donald Trump a Nazi and Hitler for the last three years hasn't worked, where else are you going to jump to? How bad can it get? There, there is no one worse. <laughs> so I find that intriguing. But now remember the words of that, of this Rock the Vote. I mean, it sounds like kind of the outer edge of the left, right? Oh, we want racial justice, end climate change. There has been a, a kind of civil war going on in the Democrat Party. And we know this because of the election of people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and uh, Gillum down in Florida. This is more the far left side of the Democratic spectrum. Now, I'm sure that the images of protesters clawing at the doors of the Supreme Court like cats trying to get in on a rainy night and the screeching and all, all of the stuff that's on videotape, the screeching, the violence, the attacking people, attacking cars, attacking, you know, chanting, screaming in the faces of politicians, right? All of that kind of stuff. I'm pretty sure that doesn't play well, again, in places like West Virginia which is the state of Democrat Senator Joe Manchin, which voted for Donald Trump in 2016, or places like North Dakota, which is the state of Heidi Heitkamp, another place that voted for Donald Trump in 2016. I'm sure it doesn't play well there, but it probably plays well in the liberal strongholds, places like LA and New York. But how much, how much can this maybe fringe, let's say, let's just make an arbitrary figure. What if 20% of the Democrat spectrum thought that the protesting and the screaming and the calls to violence and the activism was the way to win? What about the other 80% of the Democrat spectrum that doesn't agree with them? You know, Nazi and Hitler and gang rapist and all of that aside. Well, what of them? What becomes of them? Now, it seems ridiculous, but put yourself in the mind of one of these far left Democrat activists for a moment. Think about where you direct your ire in this time. For all intents and purposes, you've watched the moderate, the quote-unquote moderate leadership of the Democrat Party. They haven't, they haven't held power since 2010. That's when they were voted out of a majority. 
nearly a decade ago. You watched on as, you know, you probably supported Bernie Sanders and maybe a few of your comrades jumped ship after he sold his soul to Hillary Clinton after they rigged the primary process against him. A few of your comrades might have jumped ship to Donald Trump because of the shared platforms of being anti-TPP, but you, you're a true believer, you know, and you're dispensed with those comrades because voting for a terrible Democrat party is much better than voting for Adolf Hitler, obviously. So you watched on as the leadership of the Democrat party couldn't defeat uh, a dictator to be, in your eyes, in Donald Trump. And you've now watched as he has installed two conservative judges to the Supreme Court, giving the conservative side of politics an edge, a a cultural edge on the Supreme Court for at least a generation. So who do you blame? Well, if if articles like this from Salon are anything to go by, you blame the Democrats. You blame your team. Hey, you didn't do enough. Well, we did accuse the guy of being a gang rapist who drugs women. I don't care. You needed to go further than that. And what do you do? You start pushing, you start pushing for the harder left option. You go further left. These moderates, they're not serious. They're not hard enough. They're not ready for the cause enough. There's no place for bourgeoisie moralism in the revolution, comrade. And maybe then we can start to consider, well, where are a lot of these younger people who are registering to vote, where are they coming from? It might even be their professors who are giving them pamphlets after school. After class, here you go. Go and register. I'll, I'll, see you after, I'll see you after lunch. I do have an appointment, students. I've got to put on a black mask and head down to the fascist international rally and hit someone over the head with a bike lock. I'll be right back. Then we can talk about how important democracy is. I, I wonder if large sections of the, of the liberal press, the left-wing press, are actually going to start pushing for further left Democrats over their moderate opponents in the future, which might just further alienate large sections of the Democrat base who don't want anything to do with the activism, the anger, the hatred, the violence, and the kind of shenanigans we've seen over the last few weeks. How will it play out in places like North Dakota and West Virginia? Here's an article here. Swing vote senators face major political blowback and potential high-profile challenges after casting pivotal Kavanaugh votes. Several swing vote senators are facing torrential political backlash for their stances on incoming Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh as protesters and well-heeled political advocacy groups vow that Saturday's historic confirmation won't soon be forgotten. On Saturday, President Trump predicted that Lisa Murkowski from Alaska, Republican from Alaska, will, quote, never recover from her last-minute decision to become the only Senate Republican to oppose Kavanaugh. I think the people from Alaska will never forgive her for what she did. 
McCowski announced her decision on Kavanaugh Friday, weeks after speculation, saying that despite being a, quote, good man, Kavanaugh was not the right man for the court at the current moment. But her vote was seen in conservative circles as a fundamental betrayal and a repudiation of basic principles of due process. Trump has made getting results on federal judicial nominees a key plank of his administration, and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has led a successful push to install new conservatives and district court nominees at a record-breaking pace this year, with several more to be appointed in the coming weeks. See, a lot of Republicans over the last you know, decade or so, perhaps even longer, one of the things that they lamented the most about Republican leadership is that they, you know, to put it one way, didn't have the balls to stand up to pressure from the Democrats. Which, which is one of the things that makes the Salon article that the Democrats aren't being, they're being too nice so absurd when you look at it objectively. Um, again, how worse can you get from being called Hitler and a gang rapist? It doesn't get much worse than that. So the criticism has been for a long time that Republicans just don't stand up to the heat, don't stand up to the pressure and don't punch back. But Donald Trump has shown Republicans that if you push through the outrage, you can, you can get actual achievable outcomes. And it's changed. It's completely changed the methodology for you know, Republicans going forward. Because arguably, not only does the outrage which follows Republicans standing up to Democrats actually help Republicans and hurt Democrats, but it also helps Republicans because their voting base now has confidence in them again that when they are elected, they will actually do what they're put there to do. This is uh, Lindsey Graham speaking on Fox News Sunday. I hope everybody running for the House in these purple districts will, ask, will be asked the question, do you support impeaching Judge Kavanaugh based on five allegations, none of which could be corroborated? Do you want an outcome so badly that you would uh, basically turn the law upside down? Uh, all I can say is that this is going to the streets at the ballot box. Uh, I'm gonna, I've never campaigned against a colleague in my life. That's about to change. I'm gonna go throughout this country and let people in these, at, you know, purple states, uh, red states where Trump won, know what I thought, know what I think about this process. It's coming. It's coming. Lindsey Graham, one of many de- uh, Republicans now, who, upon seeing the way that Democrats have reacted to the Kavanaugh situation, are now being praised by the, the same Republican voters who would have been criticizing him two years ago for not standing up for not pushing back, for not fighting back. There was an article in Vox earlier in the week. They said Republicans, don't, they, don't, they no longer care what you think. That's right. Because from all available evidence, liberals don't, don't care what Republicans think, and they haven't for quite some time. And when you, you can be labelled a Nazi and a Hitler, for three years straight, or a gang rapist who drugs women based on no evidence. What the hell are... Republicans are now discovering, well, what the hell are we trying to achieve here? (laughs) How are we supposed to find middle ground with these people? 
And if they push through, it might actually help their prospects in the future. They might get more votes, which will lead the Democrats to fall further victim to the hard left of their own movement, which will then create a power vacuum, which means more moderate Democrats are not going to be able to vote for Democrats because they'll be represented by hard left socialists who endorse the kind of antics that we see on the streets right now. People getting attacked. People trying to claw their way into the Supreme Court. The screaming, the wailing, the hysteria. It's an embarrassment for people to be associated with that garbage. Their votes have got to go somewhere. We might be reaching critical mass. It's an article from CBS News. Joe Manchin blasted by both Dems and GOP after Kavanaugh vote. Isn't that a surprise? What did you think was going to happen? Now, I don't think Joe Manchin is a particularly bad guy. I I recall a a campaign ad that he ran maybe back in 2010, 2012, something like that, uh, saying how pro-NRA and pro-guns he was. He was there holding his rifle, shooting stuff. But whether, whether his unpopularity at the current time is fueled by the Republicans who voted for him, regardless of the fact that he was a Democrat, feeling betrayed that on key votes he refused to vote against the Democrats and vote with the people of West Virginia, that might be one thing. Or I, I think a, a larger factor, I suspect a larger factor, might be the residual stink left on Democrats in red states thanks to the leadership antics of the Democrats on Capitol Hill. Here's a prediction for you. In the upcoming elections where red state Democrats are facing challenges, watch for their campaign material. I, 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 I don't, five will get you ten. That there won't be any kind of livery or Democrat Party branding in sight. It'll be Joe Manchin for West Virginia, and they will do everything that they can to avoid even associating him with the leadership of the Democrat Party in Washington. Democrat leaders may pick up the phone and say, Joe, we want to help you with your election. It looks like you're a little bit behind. Can we come down there and campaign with you? Absolutely not. (laughs) No, I got this, Chief. Don't worry. You stay over there. I'll take care of things here. I'll do my best. Don't worry about it. We got this. It's fine. Have a Coke and a smile. Because why, why would you want to be associated with the leadership of the Democrat Party now? Their own, their own base doesn't like them. Their own base is increasingly turning to the hard left to look for the answers that the moderates couldn't provide. And in red states like Joe Manchin finds himself in, in West Virginia... Well, he's got to appeal to the, to the Republican majority. And why would they vote for a Democrat now? After what we've seen. There's no way. So it makes things very difficult for people like Joe Manchin. And these are, these are specifically the kinds of voters that the Democrats couldn't afford to lose. Not everyone in the country likes to put on a black mask and smash up cars and burn down buildings and scream at claw at the front door of the Supreme Court. 
most don't respond to that kind of behaviour. And now the Republicans are encouraged. Now they're motivated. And not just the Republicans, the never-Trumpers as well. Everyone's on the Trump train. Whether you like it or not. Just one more article here to finish us off. This is one of the more creative spin jobs I've seen in the corporate media recently from NBC News. And of course, yes, all of the articles referred to here will be in, will be in links uh, in the show description. So please feel free to go through, check them out yourself. Headline, Trump is winning, but are voters tired of it? <laughs> President Donald Trump has racked up a series of policy victories. The question now is whether that helps his party at the polls next month or hurts it. Yes. Yes, I'm sure it hurt. I'm sure hurting it might be might be a possibility. You see, because voters, the kind of voters who have been backing Donald Trump for the last two years, being attacked publicly by the media, by people in the streets, getting hit in public, spat on, called Nazis, watching the Supreme Court justice be called a, a gang rapist without evidence, and then being called an accessory to rape if they dare point out the fact that there's no evidence. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure the fact that Donald Trump, despite all of this overt hatred, I'm sure that this is going to mean that they're less likely, like they're just sick of it now. Like, oh, gee, I wish we could have our asses handed to us again. Remember those days? Weren't they great? I'm sure that's what they're doing, sitting at home, watching all of this unfold. Quote, President Donald Trump has radically transformed American domestic and foreign policy, and with the confirmation now of two of his picks for the Supreme Court, that legacy now promises to long outlive his presidency. In addition to entrenching a conservative majority on the high court, he slashed taxes, wiped away decades of regulations, withdrawn from the Iran nuclear deal and the Trans-Pacific Partnership, clamped down on legal and illegal immigration, and induced Mexico and Canada to update the North America Free Trade Agreement. In short, he's winning, bigly, on policy. The question, with midterm elections looming, is whether those victories translate into campaign wins or losses. Will Trump's muscular use of the levers of his executive, political and international power earn him an endorsement or a rebuke from voters in states with competitive Senate elections and swing house races? (laughs) Well, time will tell. Time will tell. Whether people are sick of winning or not, that's to be seen. Whether people don't agree with the kind of winning, I think that's obvious, illustrated by the rivers of tears flowing down any major city right now as people march in defiance. But who's going to win the day when it comes to the key election races in states like West Virginia and North Dakota, where perhaps people are a little less Antifa and a little more Middle America? I mean, Joe, that should be an indication for you. You know, Joe Manchin, uh, blasted by both Dems and GOP after the Kavanaugh vote. Danielle Walker cried on Joe Manchin's, uh, Manchin's shoulder after she, sh- she shared her story of sexual assault in the senator's office. She thought he listened. The 42-year-old Morgantown woman said she was both devastated and furious when Manchin became the only Democrat in U.S. Senate in the U.S. Senate to support President Donald Trump's Supreme Court nominee, Brett Kavanaugh. 
she said, and I quote, I feel raped all over again. Joe, now, now the left doesn't like you either. You were already in trouble because the Republican, the mainly Republican voter in West Virginia installed you despite being a Democrat. Now they don't like you because of the way that your party behaved in the Kavanaugh hearings. And the Democrats don't like you because you endorsed the, you know, the serial gag rapist who drugs women. You're completely effed, my friend. You're out of there. Just goes to show. Something that a lot of people have understood for a long time. If you, if you go through politics trying to appeal to everyone, you'll eventually appeal to no one. And as Donald Trump has shown and is now giving license to Republican politicians for, for too long, haven't been able to embrace this reality, appeasement does not work. You have to push through. You'll earn the support of your base who have long been calling for it. And you'll force your opposition to go into increasingly fringe areas in the hope of retaining power or removing the best chance that they had of winning it back in favour of easy answers, violent rhetoric and extremist behaviour on the streets. Guys, thanks for joining us again on The Daily Boogie. If you want to keep up with the show, please do so on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. If you want to become a supporter of the show, please hit subscribe on your podcast player or head to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Until next time, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.